0: Today we begin a new series for our weekend edition of Truth For Today. It's simply entitled, Rescue, Past, Present, and Future. Join us. You have been saved. You are also being saved, and one day you will be saved. You've been saved from the penalty of sin, and we are being saved from the power of sin. One day soon, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Rescued Past, Present, and Future, it's a series taken from Romans. We're in chapter 1, verses 16 through chapter 3 and verse 23. Sin, the ruin God rescues us from. Here's Pastor Phil with more.
1: For the backdrop of uh, most of these studies, not everyone, we'll reach into the themes of Romans without going verse by verse. But we're going to pick up distinct themes in that book. And so, you know, I've done the book of Romans. Take me two years going verse by verse. Well, we're not going to take that long on this we're going to hit big themes. And today, I want to speak to you on sin, the ruin God rescues us from. Sin, the ruin God rescues us from. I thought about one time saying the mess, but it sounds a little nicer to say the ruin that God rescues us from. Oh, isn't that better? Thank you, miracle worker. Um, And uh, I want to look at the subject and uh, three things I'd like to look at. Uh, First of all, we need to know sin is the bondage that the whole human race has been born into. For all have sinned and are falling short of the glory of God. God has chosen to rescue anyone in this ruined race that is willing to call on the Lord Jesus and trust Him. He will save you, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, what you've done. He's a chain breaker. He's a savior. He's a rescuer. Uh, I want to look at three things, three things. It's really by way of introduction. I want to look at the cultural viewpoints about sin. The cultural viewpoint. Sin is a bad word, an archaic word, and a word you're not supposed to use in church anymore. You can't make people come back to church and hear about sin. And we'll we'll look at why. Uh, two, I want to to look at the human condition from God's point of view. Does he use the word? How does he use it? And finally, uh, I'm going to present to you the, the cure, the uh, divine cure for the human condition in sin. Very straightforward. Cultural attitudes, the divine perspective on our condition, and the divine solution for our condition. Uh, let me uh, introduce you to some things about the cultural attitudes I read a uh, introduction of four philosophies that uh, govern psychology today, counseling as a whole. These would be uh, four of the leading kinds of uh, things you would hear. Uh, one is that through evolution, we've been told man is basically good. And that is the human perspective. Man is good. He... Uh, he needs more education. He needs direction. Uh, we need to end poverty. We need to do good things. But basically, all people are born good. There was a man by the name of Pelagius. He taught that all were born neutral and no sin in us at birth. That we, uh, we never commit sin until we commit our first sin, but that we are all born like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Augustine rose up against him in the fourth century he said no we're born with inbred sin just give us time and we will sin and this is known as original sin uh, a second attitude is what they call determinism and that is that you are programmed to do what you do and you are what you are and you will do what you've been programmed to do it's determined it's right there um the third attitude, especially in postmodernism that we're all living through, is relativism. Uh, we've lost all source of absolute truth. Uh, we have no dictionaries that tell us morality or ethics There's, because the issue is uh, who wrote the dictionary? Uh, who can tell us what sin is? Who Whose dictionary would you go to? Uh, fourthly, sin is an unpleasant subject, and what we need to hear the most is self-esteem. Man needs to be told how good he is, how valuable he is. So we've taken away grading in some schools. Nobody flunks. They're just passed. Everybody gets an A in math, whether they get an or not. because we must not do anything to damage the psyche. I read from an article by Jeremiah Johnson. The article is called, Whatever Happened to Sin? You don't hear much about sin from the pulpit anymore. Recognizing and identifying it, wrestling with the guilt of it, repenting of it, or for that matter, dealing with it at all. Those ideas are passe in most churches today. What you will hear is a lot of talk about brokenness, negativity, as if Christ humbled himself just to cure depression. The modern church has largely done away with the biblical language of sin, salvation, replacing it with gooey postmodern verbiage that appeals to a generation Raised on psychobabble and self help seminars. One popular preacher in this case, and I use that term loosely, recently devoted his Easter Sunday service to a rambling, confusing analogy of Christ as a breath mint. He actually had the audacity to compare the offenses of bad breath to sin and Christ came as a breath meant. That kind of pseudo-spiritual garbage passes in some circles as gospel. He goes on to say, um, today we've been raised on this idea we're all victims. Victimization. And there's a lot of aspects of that, Uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, spousal abuse, parental abuse. Uh, The race has been abused by one another. We sin against each other. We've all been sinned against and we've all sinned in various ways. But this idea that every problem is you are the victim, uh, you are not to blame for anything you do. Because you're the victim of maybe your environment, your circumstances, the people in your life. And since you didn't have good parents, maybe perfect parents, whatever. Ah, ah, we see the connection. We see the connection. You hear some groups, they talk about generational sins. Ah, your father was this, well, you're predestined to be this way. Because you you have a... uh, In your background, there was demon worship, let's say. In your background, there was this behavior. You're a victim. You've been given a DNA that says you were meant to be this. You can't help it. I like to say this. According to the scripture, we are all in a family tree that the DNA goes back to we are sinners. We have rebelled against God. And we've all been victimized of something in the past. You don't want to check your ancestors too far back. Uh, Winston Churchill wrote, uh, I forget how many volumes, on the uh, history of the English-speaking people. Uh, Carolyn just did ancestry thing. I did it, but I didn't have enough spit for, to satisfy them. And, but they sure were convinced that we came out of Ireland England, She, uh, this girl came out of all the British Isles, my mother's full-blooded Irish, then the Howards were English, so we're back there, but Winston writes, the British Isles were settled by cannibals, you don't have to go to Africa to have cannibalism, the Vikings, and the British Isles We're settled by brutal people. The people you think of as blue bloods. The people of sophistication. The people of royalty. Let me tell you, if you go far enough back in your family tree, you'll find more sin than you keep up with. But we keep trying to make us a race of gods, and we're a race of sinners. And that offends, offends like you won't believe. It sounds barbaric. It sounds insensitive. It sounds like you're out of step with the times. Uh, you've not been educated uh, in the modern world. Because this is not... you. I received a book, uh, the big thing today, self-esteem. Prosperity preachers, Joel Osteen kind of preaching. Uh, never uses the word sin. He was taught not to. Because about, oh, I'd say 20, 20 years ago, maybe further back, Robert Schuler sent to all the pastors of America a free copy of his book self-esteem the new gospel don't ever tell people they're bad never tell them they sin never tell them they could ever be wrong what they're desperate for is self-esteem tell them they're good tell them they've guaranteed a good future uh you can have your best life now is one of the very popular books by Olstein. Well, you know what? If you're going to hell, the best life is now. <laughs> this is the only time it's going to be good. When you die, you die without Christ, the best is behind you. How can you tell a man that everything's going to be okay? Self-esteem gospel. Tell people they're going to prosper they got to have hell, Uh, they're okay, you're okay, I'm okay. Uh, In our culture, we have another diagnosis. We've renamed everything sickness. Uh, They're not a a bad boy, they just have ADD. Now, some of you already get mad because your child's been diagnosed. But I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, Are children fidgety? You ought to see my three-year-old great-grandson. He's plenty fidgety. I always request volume to be given to him before they come. (laughs) And go, 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 go. Energy, energy. I've seen people say, well, he's not fidgety. Now, Now look at two approaches. I went when our father took us someplace and because I grew up with my younger sister we would usually be with my mom and dad the other kids had got, maybe gone out of the home whatever but my, my father would say this to Ruth and I now we're going to someone's house now listen to me don't ask for any candy has anyone ever been told this don't be going to the bathroom. Daddy, what do I do? Don't go. Don't be going through their house. You sit. You get permission. You don't wander through their house. But dad, I've got ADD. And he said, and I got a belt. Does anyone understand? Is it, was I just then cruel? We're all fidgety. I'm not saying you're a kid, whatever. I go on there. Don't get touchy with me. You'll get mad enough. I'll give you enough time to get mad. But we've got all these names. I have to ask my children. They put initials on me. I said, In other words, I'm a jerk. No, you don't say that. You've got to put an initial. Do, 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 do. That's your problem. Whoa, it sounds bad. It's not you're angry, you're hateful, uh, you're mean, uh, you're dishonest, uh, you're dirty. You're, Don't do that. This could damage the ego. Everything is either called, you had a bad brain, victim. Um, i was just going through some of the articles. Then I read an article on whatever became of sin... And then as I read the article, Carl Minninger 40 years ago, wrote a book. He was a psychotherapist, had a leading practice, Carl Minninger, And he wrote a book on whatever happened to sin. And he raised the issue, who decides what sin is? Who decides what sin is? How can you confess a sin when you don't know what to call it? Lord, I confess, I did something, but I don't know what to call it. Whatever happened to the Bible dictionary? Can you call, okay, let's, uh, in niceness, let's say, what's your problem? Uh, I'm addicted to alcohol. Okay. Well, the Bible called it drunkenness. Now, that sounds cruel, doesn't it? You're not calling them a drunk, are you? You're barbaric. I mean, most of the culture, let me say on the street, everything I'm saying would make them throw up. I know that. And most churches won't put up with this. I know that. I won't be invited back as a guest speaker. That's my first theme. Because whatever happened to sin, we we don't talk about judgment. We don't talk about guilt. We don't... We don't talk about... You're responsible. Isn't it easier to blame someone? I would have been more... Had I not had you for my parent. I might have done more... Had I had more... Maybe opportunity. Whatever. We've got all this milieu... Of opinions... Philosophy... And in all of it... The word sin never shows up. Nobody's guilty... Nobody's done anything wrong. Well, I just killed 15 kids at school because I saw the video clip on YouTube of how to make your weapons and how to kill a group at one time. And uh, let's test him for psychological, uh, you know, uh, stability. Smart enough to figure the crime, smart enough to get the weapons, smart enough to plan it, but maybe not smart enough to stand trial. I mean, that's where, that's where we are. Because they may have a psychological hang up. Believe me, they've got a hang up. They've got a bent. They've got a, a warpness. The word iniquity meant to be twisted and bent inside. Uh, my daughter told me in South Carolina they're trying to pass legislation that to be a pedophile is acceptable. Sex with a child at any age ought to be legalized. Gender confusion. I mean, I actually grew up knowing which bathroom to go to. Now, I mentioned to one of my grandchildren one time, I said, what about uh, this kind of sex, that kind of... said, oh, Grandpa, get over it. It's no big deal at school. They do whatever they want. There are no mores. There are no standards. Now, into such a climate, the Apostle Paul goes to the church in Rome where Caligula marries a sister where the emperors of Rome taught young boys to be their homosexual lovers at the same time they were married and had a mistress so sex was wide open the Greeks taught the body is matter is evil anyway and sex is only an appetite it's there's no mores to govern who you sleep with why you sleep that is has not, it's a physical need no morals attached And so Paul steps into the pagan world of Rome. And he says, I've come to preach the gospel to you because only the gospel can give you a right standing with God. Now, he's going to start his case by telling the bad news first. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Before he tells us how it can be righted. Look at verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. By the way, Romans was not the first New Testament epistle that Paul wrote. But it's put the first, because all the other books expand on it. Everything he says in Romans is the full story of Christianity. You don't understand Christianity by reading Leviticus. You've got to read Romans and know what it's teaching. That's why I think it's the main book you've got to study. Not just read, but study. Um, Listen to verse 18. For the wrath of God. Oh, man. Don't tell me there's an angry guy. There they go. Hellfire, brimstone. A misleading translation here, I think, to this. For the wrath of God, which equals his anger, his righteous anger, and it ought to be a present tense there, is being revealed. This is ongoing. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now he begins to tell you why God is angry with the human race. Uh, You don't invent hell because you're not mad. You don't tell men you're going to hell because you're upset. You're righteously outraged and you must judge the rebel. So he says, Paul comes to Rome, God is angry with you. God is angry with the human race. He's not a divine Santa Claus that has to get along with any of you. He doesn't have to get through the psych department. doesn't have to get through the philosophy department. He doesn't have to catch up with Americans. He's God. He's judge. You will face him. And he says, right now, I'm angry. And I'm going to tell you why I'm angry. If you can write the letters I, you'll get it. First of all, you've chosen to be ignorant of who I am. You've chosen to be ignorant. Notice what he says who by their unrighteousness suppress, hold down the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Adam and Eve, God revealed himself. God destroys the earth with a flood. The eight people that survived the flood, God reveals himself to them. At one time, everybody on the face of the earth knew who God was. Everybody, how did we lose Him? How did we lose Him? Watch, this is how we lost Him. For what could be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature. You try to make a Milky Way, something bigger than the stars made the stars. And he said, there's my power on display. The heavens declare my glory.
0: And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truth todayradio.org As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email and take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at TruthForTodayRadio.org And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, TruthForTodayRadio.org or by calling 855 833 9864. As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So, contact us today at 855 833 9864 or stop by truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.